And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Vadden. And why is my head so large in the camera today? Like, <laughs> we're not we're not posting the video of this because we don't normally do that. But my head is so large, it's taking up almost the entire shot. And I, I, I gotta I, I, like I, I gotta adjust this because it's distracting me. I look like I the talking head from Rick and Morty. The show me what you got. So it's because I just yeah. shaved. I shaved my head and I shaved my beard. So I look like the show me what you got guy from, oh from Rick and Morty. No, no. I don't like it work. when mine is like that either. All right. So what's the, so how are you? <laughs> how are you today, Stacey? <laughs> now, that, now that our listeners are like, what was that about? A random conversation. All right. So we are That's here we're today. at our best with random conversations. That is so true. All right. So speaking of, I guess, random conversation, it's random, but not random. So the topic of summer camp, summer program, summer school, after school, things that our children do, extracurricular activities, but it's summertime, right? So a lot of parents work during the school day. And so typically in the United States, not in all places, there are summer programs, summer camps, and parents are frantically trying to find places for their kiddos. Now, what I kind of wanted to talk about was sort of the pros and cons of even going to a summer program, going to a mainstream one, going to a specialized one, or not, right? Um, so what is your experience on summer programs, Torin? I still can't get over how big my head looks. Like I look like I have. A I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have. To, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to blip that out. You're perseverating. <laughs> You're perseverating. Oh God, we're off to such a good start. It's okay. um, I'm actually excited for this episode. You're the one that suggested this topic the other day, and I really wanted to do it because I actually have direct professional experience in this. So instead of just giving my lived experience, I'm making air quotes, as an autistic individual, I've actually worked summer camps with mixed populations. So gen ed, neurodiverse, autistic, ADHD, behavioral, all that stuff. Like that's most of my childcare experience in summer camp and mm -hmm. after school programs. So I have direct professional experience working in like multiple levels of this at multiple mm -hmm. different companies and multiple different uh, dem with multiple different demographics. I've mm -hmm. worked with because that's New York City for you. I've worked yeah. with like very rich uh, white uh, upper middle class kids, and I've worked with like POC inner city poor. I've worked with immigrant populations. I work so I, I'm excited because I finally I get to feel like you do all the time when you draw from that deep well of experience who's been doing this for 20 years I get to draw from my well to, my well is just like a little sidewalk puddle that when it rains you step in and get your socks wet well that's Torin underestimating his value but that's okay I'm glad that you know your value in today's podcast because you always have something that is very valuable to, to contribute. So one of the things, and, and you can help me maybe understand a different perspective or help me process it better. So my struggle is this. My struggle is number one, 
Um, we push for inclusive environments, right? And then we push for it in the schools and now we're pushing for it in summer camps. Um, and they have specialized camps for kids with autism that is accessible to some, but not to all. Uh, however, my struggle is, so we put our children in an inclusive camp environment. No one on the staff is trained. None of the children are aware that the child is autistic and it becomes a disaster the majority of the time. And I only know this because I get the phone calls. So just with that one scenario, you know, from your perspective, because I tend to protect, you know, my kiddos, right? Like send them to a camp that understands them, send them to a camp that's going to provide. And they say, well, they say that they, they take kids with autism and, and they're going to accommodate, but they don't because they don't, they, they, they don't accommodate at all. That's because they don't even the, know what that means. We, we, we take kids with autism. That means that, that means absolutely nothing. Thank it's, you. It, it means they have kids with autism. See, the problem is, um, I apologize for cutting you off, is that no, parents, is and I understand this, I'm not attacking parents, but parents see a camp or a school or, or an after-school program say, we take kids with autism, and they mean it to mean we accommodate kids with autism. No, we take kids with autism means there are kids in the program who have autism. If they're being accommodated or not is completely subject, uh, uh, your experience might, might vary. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when parents ask about do you provide accommodations? And the camp says, the fucker accommodations. Yeah. Well, the, the issue is this. I'll give you a perfect example on one of the calls that I've gotten. Same scenario, but this one specific call, um, child was um, reprimanded. Uh, parent was asked to come pick up the child from camp on day two because child did not follow directions when it was time to leave whatever activity they were doing. What do I first say? Did they give him a visual schedule? Did they give him a five minute warning? Did they do anything to communicate? Well, we told him it was time to go. Okay, so do we, are we accommodating? Like, are we making any accommodations? So that's where I get the frustration and where of course, why I think it's important for parents to be empowered because if you don't know what accommodations need to be put in place and they don't know, then they will not be made available. Right? Right. I'd like to apologize. I put my mic on mute because I burst into a bit of hysterical laughter because the idea of summer camps and accommodations is so hysterical to me as someone who has several years of experience working yeah. in these environments that yeah. like, what they consider accommodations, and we'll get to this, the podcast goes, are more like Mag MacGyvens than actual accommodations. It's, oh, uh, crap, what we do now? Uh, you, 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 let's uh, let's figure out how to make this parachute during free fall. And then when yeah. things go wrong, they're like, they tell the parent, well, your kid is acting up. So the, yeah. the, the idea of, and I promise keep a straight face, but the idea of accommodations in these sort of environments is so hysterical to me, especially considering how poorly they treat staff. Most yeah. staff are not certified teachers. There are people, I was in my 20s, and most people, they're in their 20s, they make a minimum wage. They were given 
depending on the organization. I've had organizations that had great amount of training. And I've had organizations where I was given absolutely no training and just, and we were expected to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. So I promise to, to, I promise to try to keep a straight face, but just know I'm doing everything I can to be professional, but it's so, it's so chaotic, especially in certain, in certain uh, organizations that it actually makes me laugh. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, one of the 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 problems is that a private camp, they don't have to have training. They don't have to accommodate. Um, it's a private camp, right? It's not, they're not a special needs camp. So there's no leverage for parents, right? Except for fighting to get their money back when they say they, you know, they're not a good fit or whatever it is that they say. So what do you say when the pushback on on placing a child in mainstream opposed to a camp that is specific to the needs of the child. What do you say to parents who feel that mainstream, for you know, lack of a better term, mainstream camp um, is a way for my child to learn to socialize in the real world? outside of their special education class where they're only surrounded, you know, the whole thing of why it's important for them to be with kids that are not autistic. Oh boy. Um, this is, there's no straight answer to this one. So I'm just going to sort of lay out my opinions on this. I think first thing is, I hate to use function labels, but how high function is your kid? In other words, how low are their support needs? If you have a kid with high support needs, or even moderate support needs, you have to be realistic. Are his support needs going to be met? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. But are is he going to be able to function without having his support needs met? Because they will not be met in a in a regular gen ed environment. They simply will mm-hmm. not hell, they might not even be fully met in a special ed camp. True. But in a gen ed environment, I will tell you they will not. And no matter what the camp says, they will not. There might be efforts to try. There's not there's not a slight on people to work there. I work there. We tried our asses off mm-hmm. with the re- resources we were given, which would vary from minimum to non-existent. Mm-hmm. But you have to be cognizant of that. Can your child function without having his needs met? The answer is he'll melt down every single day. Then no, he's not going to be able to. Mm-hmm. If you think he can function at least somewhat in the environment with gen ed kids where his needs are poorly met or not met at all, then yeah, he gets some benefit being around quote unquote normal kids that he could because it's just, there are different social dynamics. As someone who mm-hmm. spent K through, actually preschool through 12 and special ed exclusively, I will tell mm-hmm. you the social dynamics are different. You don't really learn yes. socialization. I learned how to socialize in college. Not a yes. good place to learn how to socialize, especially in my case, being upstate in a in mostly Caucasian area as a black man. Not good. You don't want to have to learn it on the fly. So there are benefits, but you also have to be realistic where your kid is. Mm-hmm. When my dad tried to put me in day camp, not even go away camp, day camp, mm-hmm. at the Y when I was eight, he put me in. I got into like the area where everyone, the common area before we even went anywhere where the parents were and cried for two hours straight until my dad had to come back and pick me up. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on where your kid's needs mm-hmm. are. Yeah. The second thing is it depends on the camp. So mm-hmm. there's no good way of saying this. 
the more expensive the camp is, the higher the odds they'll have resources to help your kid. So mm-hmm. if you're going to like a city or government funded camp, like a poor people mm-hmm. camp, to just be mm-hmm. blunt, that your kid's not going to get accommodated because no one's getting accommodated because it's state funded, so the state doesn't care. Yeah. So they're they're already operating on a shoestring budget. If you go to something that's more private that costs some money, it's not guaranteed, but they're more likely to hire specialists. The first camp I worked at had their own specialists mm-hmm. that would help. They weren't trained well. And it often it often uh, deteriorated into let's go get Torrens because Torrens autistic and the autistic kids seem to respond to him even though I wasn't one of the the, the specialists which kind mm-hmm. of pissed me off this is an aside because specialists got paid more so I was doing their job but not making their money that's neither here nor there but mm-hmm. actually that is important because that's the type of stuff that, that's one of the many sort of a com- quote unquote accommodations that happened is we don't know what to do with your autistic kid, but we do have a counselor who is autistic. We'll have him work with them and just hope they're a good match. So yeah. So that so that was the first camp I worked that had a bit more resources. Mm-hmm. So they had specialized training. We got for all of us got minimum 40 hours of training, just the basic counselors and the special ed counselors got I forget exactly what they were called, but I call them special ed counselors. They got uh, 40 hours that we all got plus, I think it was like an extra 20 to work uh, with autistic kids. Okay. Yeah. So the, there was some resources. And even yeah. then, needs were not met. There were there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of kids running around. A lot of kids were eloping. It was a lot. The other job I worked, I'm not going to mention companies either. The other one where I spent a decent amount of time at was city-funded. And mm-hmm. I believe they get a little state money too. There were no resources. There were no special yeah. ed counselors. There was figure it out, figure it out on the fly, work with the kids, figure it out amongst yourselves and mm-hmm. find a way to keep this place from burning down. So yeah. it really depends. <clears throat> so I'm, I apologize for not being able to give one straight answer, but there are so many variables yeah. that there really isn't one straight answer. But to summarize, depends on your kid. If they can handle being in a gen end population, you got to be realistic. Uh, you have to see if they have the resources to at least in theory meet your mm-hmm. kids' needs. So those are the two major things to look at. Got it. So what about summer camp being something that is just fun for the kid, not anything about the adults? So if your kid is into robots, put him in a robot camp. Like what if your kid is into... I don't know, tennis, find a tennis camp. Listen, you and, and me both know the whole point of camp is to get rid of your kids for the summer so you don't have to deal with them. What? Like, let, like let's be honest. That's, that, that, that is the number one motivation. Every parent listening to this is like, yeah, yeah, what? yeah. It's so you don't have to deal with them during the summer. And because a lot of parents work, so they can't be expected to care for their kids the, that eight hours a day they're normally in school. So that's mm-hmm. the first and foremost. That's a lot of their concerns. But obviously, yes, you want to find a place that's fun for the kid. Well, this is the way I look at it. You know, I'm a very proactive person, right? I'm a mom, a working mom. My children were young at once. They're now on their own. If you know that you work and your children are off in the summer, then you should be looking for where they can go in the summer. That could be a happy place for them ahead of time. Not wait until May, not wait until June. It's called being proactive. 
Now I know everybody doesn't have access to all the camps. I know lots of people do not have any camps available. Um, I know my clients in Australia, like Australia, summer camp is not a thing, right? They don't really have a whole like summer. Um, their school calendar is a little bit different. However, sometimes we need to look outside the box for the traditional stuff, right? Okay, so that's my two cents on that. Now, another thing I wanna ask you is this, the flip side of before, in terms of specialty camp versus mainstream camp and having that uh, opportunity to socialize with non-autistic kids. A lot of our kids that are in mainstream school day don't get to have socializing time with other neurodivergent kids. So I think summer camp at a camp specific for kids with autism to meet other kids who see the world differently like you do is a great idea. What are your thoughts on that? No, that's a really good point I didn't think about. It's the other way around. If you have a kid who's in uh, Gen Ed for the entire school year, they could benefit from being in special ed. So I will say this, and this is a big generalization. If your kid is in gen ed and surviving, I didn't say thriving, I just said the bar is surviving. They probably have a good chance of being able to hold up in a gen ed summer camp. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about kids who can't hold up in a gen ed summer camp, they're probably in special ed during the regular year because all the problems the summer camp has, the school systems, at least in America, have as well. So yes. that is the, the, I think that's part of the reason I didn't think of that. Because someone's in gen ed, even if they're in inclusion, mm-hmm. they, they probably stand a, a much better chance of holding up in one of the camps I worked at than someone like me as a child, where I was in special ed because I couldn't hold up in gen ed and mm-hmm. I couldn't hold up in a gen ed summer camp. Got it. So I have some pushback on that. The child who goes to school in mainstream and survives and handles it pretty well. Why can't they get a break from that and go to a place where other kids slap their hands in STEM and want to talk about their favorite topic over and over again? No, I, I, I didn't say that that you shouldn't do that. Okay. I said, uh, I, I, I said that, like, that's a good idea. I just said I didn't think of it because okay. of the reasons I laid out, yes. All right, okay. Um, okay, so this is what I'm taking from this so far. Parents need to do their due diligence and parents need to plan ahead. And yes, camp is expensive. Camp is expensive. So save, ask family to contribute instead of giving you that other junky stuff that you don't need for your kid. I am a full, not that, what's the word? I am a huge, okay, let me rephrase it. It is my opinion, (laughs) my strong opinion. And I teach my clients, ask for what your children need. When people say, what do you think they want for the birthday? Or what should I get them for Christmas? Or even if they don't ask, send out a mass email and say, listen, I know you all love little Johnny and little Susie. So we are trying to get them um admission into this camp for painting because they love to paint we know how much they love to paint we're trying to get them in this art camp it's pretty pricey so what we're asking over the next giving holidays birthdays is just to contribute to their camp fund 
That is proactive parenting to get something that will work really well for your child if it is available. So I never feel like not having enough money is the reason why, because there are always ways, because people give stuff to their children all the time. People give stuff your children don't want. They don't need and stuff they don't like, they don't need all that, right? So ask, model advocating for your child so your child knows how to advocate for themselves. That's just my. No, I, I, I agree to a certain extent. I would just, I wouldn't go as far as say money is never uh, the problem. I would say like there, there, there are people, there might be people listening to this podcast where expensive summer camps where they do a resource just are not in the cards, which brings me to my question for you, which I kind of ask this question almost every episode. And I feel bad. I feel bad to viewers, but it is a question that's relevant almost every episode. If you're someone who does not have a lot of resources, a family that doesn't have a lot of resources, and you have to, let's say you have to put them somewhere because you're a working family. So you have to put them in one of those like state or city funded camps, like one of the ones I work with, where there's no special counselors. They're in a class of 20 kids. They're, the ratios are, rate if they're even following the legal ratios, which is another thing, following legal ratios, because there are certain, at least in New York, there's certain uh, counselor or teacher to student ratios you're allowed to have. In New York, I believe it might have changed because I've been out for a little bit. I believe it's one to five mm-hmm. for like preschool and kindergarten. I believe it's like one to eight in for first and second. I think third and up, it's like one to 12. And I think after like fifth grade, I believe it's like one to 20 something. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. It's been a little bit. A lot of camps, especially the underfunded ones, as you might imagine, play very loose with those rules. That's another thing I should mention. So mm-hmm. I, I worked with first and second graders where the ratio was one to eight and I had 25 kids by myself mm-hmm. and that was not uncommon. Everyone was at a ratio, which yes. is illegal, but inspectors tend not to check. <laughs> so that's another thing, by the way, you have to consider. It's not only are they not getting the individualized care, no one is because odds are people are at ratio. But if you're stuck, if, you, if they, those are your only options, what are some of the things you could do? You could tell the camp, or you could tell the, the 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 program or do to prepare your kids to make the most of a less than optimal uh, situation. Because I had that at the at the poor camp, I'd have to deal with autistic kids mm-hmm. who had high support needs, moderate support needs, who were not getting their needs met because I'm out of ratio. None of us yeah. have training working with autistic people. What it basically came down to is Torrin's the autistic one. Let's if, if the kid's having a meltdown. Send Torn in to go deal yeah. with it. Yeah, to rescue it. Yeah. So this is, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm also going to put in a clause that where there is a will, there is a way. There are people, there are nonprofits handing out money for you to send your kid to special camps. People just have to do their due diligence. Yes, I understand some people can't. Ask someone to do it for you. Ask your child's teacher. Ask your child's therapist. Ask someone for help, right? We have to learn to do that. We have to learn that there's stuff out there and you don't know about it if you're not getting out. Yes, I know social media is overwhelming, but that's where the information is. You don't have to participate. You can make a profile, just join groups so that you can figure out what the heck is offered. 
There's lots of stuff out there, Torin. People don't know if they don't get from underneath the rock, right? So you've got to get outside your own comfort zone. However, if you are in a situation where this summer they have to go to this camp and you're planning proactively to do some of these strategies so that in the next one or two summers, your child can go to this wonderful horseback riding camp. You can still plan two, uh, two years out to get that. We plan for trips to Europe. I'm just using that as a loose example. So if you are at a camp where you don't have like the free Bible camps, vacation Bible camp, or the school camp, put together a manual, a written manual with what works for your child. Plan with your child's therapist and teacher. Hey, what are some visuals we can make to give to the camp counselor? Provide it, right? If they don't have it and you have no other, no other choice, provide it for them. At least there's a little bit of something in place for. And that's where you still, you can't do it alone, parents. You can't sit in your house doing it by yourself saying, oh my gosh, I really wish. You have to ask for help. You'd be amazed at what some of your therapists and teachers might actually do to prep your kid ready for camp. You know, I was in a unique situation with an organization I work for that sends children to camp, and I was able to put together a plan. We got a meeting, right? We planned, we prepped the child. He's 14. Yeah, he's having some struggles, but we have a plan for those struggles, right? I am talking to him every night. I'm talking to him every morning. His therapist, I mean, his counselor checks in with him. We put together a plan to try to make this mainstream sleepaway camp as wonderful of an experience, not only for the autistic child, but for everyone else, right? Because if meltdowns occur, it's not fun for anyone, right? So plan, be proactive and put something tangible together for your child and for the people who are going to be caring for your child. That is my... I, I like that. And I might get in trouble for saying this, uh, please don't send your kid to a Bible camp. If, if your kid's autistic, they're not going to do well in a religious camp. The first camp I worked for was ostensibly, I butchered that word, a, a religious camp. They, mm -hmm. they serve people of all denominations, but mm -hmm. the problem was they'd become secular and they wanted to move back towards their religious roots. So when I got hired, they also hired for the higher ups, the executives, people with real power, a bunch of like religious people, people who were in, um, it was a Jewish camp, people who were in rabbinical school, people who were rabbis, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the result was, even though they had more resources than some of the other uh, organizations I ended up working for, they weren't often used well because there was this rigid structure because everything came backed by, well, this magical book says, and I know I'm only in trouble for this, this magical book says we do X, Y, and Z. So mm -hmm. how it worked is everything was top down. So the bosses who either weren't on site most of the time, or mm -hmm. they were, were locked away in their air-conditioned office and weren't involved with kids, would say everyone's every class is doing X, Y, and Z. Your class does this, your class does this, your class does yep. this. And we had no flexibility to change it, despite the fact they knew we had autistic and neurodiverse kids. They knew this because like I said, they had special counselors trained, but the counselors were basically completely hamstrung because they weren't allowed to do things like remove the kid from the class unless they were having a meltdown. Yes. When I worked for, and once again, I'm not gonna give names, but when I worked for a city funded organization with no resources and pretty mm -hmm. much no training, the care we were able to provide and the accommodations we were able to provide were actually better 
because since they had no resources, they didn't bother like ordering much from on high. We were sort of allowed to do what we want. We had loose lesson plans we had to follow, mm -hmm. but we were not only were we allowed to improvise, we were expected to because the resources weren't there. So one uh -huh. of your, they didn't tell you this, but it very quickly became apparent that your job requirement yeah. was figuring stuff out on the fly. So yeah. we would do things like if we were at a ratio, we would combine classes and do a combined activity. If we had, like if I had a first grade class and someone had a second grade class, we would combine classes since they're learning roughly the same stuff. Uh -huh. So we could basically, we the class got larger, but then we also had an extra counselor. And we would yes. do this, one of the reasons we would do this is if we had kids with special needs that might need to be escorted away, we couldn't just let them walk away, their kids. No. So we course. need to escort, we'll combine the class. So okay. for a short amount of time, one one uh, counselor, one group leader is greatly out of ratio, but mm -hmm. it gave us some measure of flexibility. Or we'd have like our classes adjacent to each other. So one mm -hmm. person could stay in the hallway and watch both classes. Uh, we would have which is really illegal, we'd have old, some of the older kids that we trusted help us out and watch the class while we go dealt mm -hmm. with a crisis, which once again, mm -hmm. very illegal. But we had the flexibility to do stuff like that versus the camp that had resources. The resources were poorly utilized. Yes. Because we didn't have any flexibility to actually use them. So it didn't matter that we had the resource, it didn't matter. So that's yeah. the one thing I will say. I'm not strictly saying because that was a religious camp. No. Yeah. But you are more likely to get situations like that in a religious camp just because of the nature, unfortunately, I hate to say, is the nature of religion, which is yes. the big floating bearded guy said something. Yes. And a bunch of old dudes 2,000 years ago wrote something, so you have to follow what they said. Yeah. That tends to translate to the head of the camp or the head of the organization says something, you have to do it. Yeah. So that's another thing that I would look out for. Mm -hmm. Look out, look for flexibility. What you want to yeah. find is a camp that has resources and mm -hmm. gives the counselors the flexibility to utilize those resources. Yeah. That can be hard to find. So you have to do some research. You know, it's really interesting you say that because two of the crisis calls I got this week were from parents who had their child at their, the church they attend does a summer camp and that's where their children are. And it's been a nightmare. And they trusted that the church, because it was a church, would accommodate um, the church camps. The two ones that I've gotten the calls, exactly what you said. They won't accommodate. They're not being flexible with the schedule. They're saying, nope, this is where everybody has to be. And the parents are like, but you said you would accommodate. This is a church and a not, which is sad. It's really sad. It's but it, it makes sense though. And this yeah. will be the last thing I say because I don't want to bash on religion. But yeah, no, no, no. Wait, if, I if you it. think about it, like take a step back. There's a there it's it's like it's similar to like the military, which is actually yeah. a bad example because in combat the military actually does allow for a great amount of flexibility at, at, at the NCO level. So it's actually not a great example for the sake of argument. It's like a yeah. it, it's very militaristic. It's the head says something. He delegates that to his second in command who delegates it down, delegates it down. So by the time you get to the people actually working with the kids, their job is basically just to receive orders because that's what they effectively are, their orders, and yeah. to go about those orders. That makes sense. And actually the military, our military, one of the reasons it's good is because they don't function like that. Mm -hmm. Bad militaries like the Russian military function like that, yeah. where there's no flexibility and bad things. So. Yeah, so that's you got to make sure the counselors have the flexibility. And a lot of camps don't want to give the counselors because 
most counselors aren't certified. So they'll use the legal as an excuse. And that's what it is, is an excuse. It is an excuse to make it so that the, the head's counselor or the head, they used not call counselors, the head executive, the head, whatever their title is, mm-hmm. can implement his vision without anyone countering it. Got it. Okay, so I'm going to segue into summer school. <laughs> Wonderful summer school or ESY and all well, of those. I was in I was in summer school because in New York, most special ed schools have mandatory or mm-hmm. optional summer school, even if you don't fail a class. So that's yeah. usually where I ended up because I couldn't handle actual summer camp. So I have a lot of lived experience, scare okay. quotes again in summer yeah. school more than I would like it. So I get a lot of calls from parents that want to know they're offering ESY. I'm not sure what that is, but it's not even going to be at their school. They're not going to have the same teacher. It's only three weeks. Is it worth it? And my answer is no, not if you have somewhere else for them to go. Nope, 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 nope. If you can keep them home, you can work on other things like communication or self-help skills or teach them some new chores. Uh, so my answer is always no. Uh, because it takes so much time for our kids to get used to a new environment. Are they going to prep? Is this person going to know what to do? Do they know your child? It's three weeks, three weeks. Like that's not, ES, extended school year used to be very productive. It used to be six to eight weeks. Now, because of staffing and so many kids, you get like a half day for three that, weeks. That, and that's that's what it was when I was a kid. It was about six to eight weeks. It yeah, usually ran yeah. from after the Monday after 4th of July to usually the last week of August. Yeah. It's like now there's no, it's just not done right. And my attitude is if the experience is not going to be productive and done as well as it can be for your child, it's not worth the time and energy. It's not worth them calling you to pick them up. It's not worth it. It's really not worth it. Figure something out. You know, my attitude is, Parents need to start getting, I know we live in a society and COVID and all these other things. Parents need to start talking to other parents and saying, hey, listen, I am home at this time in the summer. Let's figure out what we can do to help each other, right? So that, and and, and I'm saying this, and, and this is, of course, not something everyone can do, but some people can. This is the way it was when I was a mom of young kids in the summer. Most of us in the community were educators, right? I lived in a smallish town. And in the summertime, our kids were home with us. We coordinated a rotation. In the morning, the kids hung out at one house. Afternoon, they went swimming at this house. In the evening, they played in this backyard. They rode their bikes. We all would communicate so that If they were at my house, I was always the food house. If they were at my house for the food and the arts and crafts, the other moms could watch a movie, take a nap, go to the grocery store, get their nails done. Who cares, right? Your kids are hanging out at Becky's house or uh, Miss Stacy's house, sorry. And then if I needed to go somewhere, I knew they would go swimming in the afternoon at this other mom's house. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be that sort of way. What I'm saying is, we have to start reaching out to other parents to create what we need. No one is going to do it for us because they don't care about the needs of an autistic child if they don't have one. 
So we need to figure out what we are going to do to create places for our kids to go in the summer. We cannot wait for someone to do it for us. That's my stance. And uh, guys, thank you for coming to Stacy's TED Talk. I'm serious though. You are right. You are, you you you're absolutely right. There's there needs to be a community aspect to this because unfortunately, what you say is true. If your kid's not autistic, not only do they, it's not just they don't care. It's you can't empathize and understand the needs of an autistic parent unless you're an autistic parent or you know autistic parents or you're me and you work with autistic parents for a living, like. And even then, my experience is secondhand. I I can't quite get into the head perfectly the way, the way you can as a parent or the way an autism parent can. So, yes. there there you need to be able to help each other out because neurotypical parents, as bad as it sounds, that they just they're not gonna get it. You can't. No, and the neurotypical parents are getting things together for their neurotypical kids. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. yeah. They're like starting, you know, cooking camps and homeschool co-ops and, and, you know, so we need to help ourselves. We need to help ourselves. Nobody is sitting around saying, you know, I wonder what I can do to put something together for autistic teens in the community in the summer. No, they're not, unless they have a child that is in need, right? Or they just want to learn how to, they want to figure out how to make money. Well, I, th I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. another problem. I think if you're yeah. an autistic parent too, you're just so tired out from meeting your kids' needs. You don't have time to plan like a whole summer camp involving other kids and paperwork and all the legal mumble jumble. It doesn't have that. to be a summer camp. It can just be something where I, one of my moms in Alabama, She's got a whole co-op of other moms that they have all gotten together and they have all these park outings. They have this. It can be done where there's a will, there's a way. And the idea is if you get out and you, if you collaborate with other people, you don't have to do as much work. I you don't have the, to do it on your own. I think the hardest thing is a lot of parents, a lot of families, both parents work where that's not an option. You have to put them somewhere. Which brings me back to, and, and I don't mean to hold your feet to the fire, but I don't really believe you actually answered this question. What to do when you're forced to? I sound like a journalist right now. That's the I went to school for journalism. So that's that that's the that's the journalist background coming in right there. Uh, what do you do if you have to send your kid to like a camp that's funded by the city because it's free? Yes. Or because yes. It, it, it's reduced price or God forbid you have to send your kid to a Bible camp. I would just like, just let them. It, I, if your choice, of, and I'm only half joking, if your choice of Bible camp, I would just say, just run in the streets like they did in the 1800s. Like just go be free oh. for eight hours. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I wish we could do like we used to do. You know, a long time ago, back in the day, Torin, parents worked and we didn't have all these camps, right? And my dad will tell you, you went to the country with your grandparents or your aunt and milk cow. I mean, like children were sent for the summer to the country, right? Now, we don't do that anymore. Our society's a little bit different, but also the country is currently on fire, so that's a problem. Well, we also like don't it, have it was I'm in New York City. It was the sky was on fire yesterday. We don't have much country left because uh there's been so many, you know, uh 
suburban uh, areas left. So this is what I'll say. Lots of parents are in situations where they don't have any choice, right? Especially if you live in New York, you're kind of stuck like Chuck. This is where you live. If you're not going to move, you're stuck like Chuck. What you need to do is if you can at least find one person, one person at that place to establish a relationship with, to keep your child safe, then that is the first thing you need to do. You just need one person to get on your side to look out for your kids. It's a go generally the group leader. I would suggest the group leader, the counselor, whatever they call them, the person directly working with your kids. And here's another tip. A lot of places will try to prevent the group leader or the counselor, the person working with your kids from actually talking to you. They'll tell them, go through us. That's what they did at a couple of the organizations I worked at. We ignored this most of the time, but they'll try to do that to sort of control the narrative. They'll try to make mm -hmm. sure it's the higher ups. As a parent, you hold the power and you have the power to make life very, very miserable for these people. So use that power. If they give you some BS, like you're not allowed to talk to the person who's working with your kids for eight hours a day. Yeah. No, I am yeah. talking to him or I am pulling my kid out of the camp. Exactly. That is a non-starter. Yeah. If they say my kid needs some time to regulate or he's going to melt down. They say, no, we have this, we have this thing. We have a schedule. We're so soon. Everyone does schedule. I am mm -hmm. pulling my kid out of the camp. If that is not accommodated, that is a non-starter. Yeah. Not just like you do IEP meetings and just like you do during the regular school year, do not yep. compromise. Demand yep. to talk to the person working with your kids and explain mm -hmm. to them your kid's needs. And exactly. if your kid is struggling, make sure you follow up with them. Get on their I will tell you, we had some parents that were a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. But you have to do that. And yes. we will do everything we can to avoid talking to you because you're annoying. But that's how you know you're doing the right thing. If we're trying not to talk to you, yes, it's because you're doing the right thing. That's it. Make sure, get on them and make sure. And they're going to also give you BS like, oh, we don't have the accommodations for that. Figure it out. Yeah, figure it figure out. Figure it out. Figure, figure it out. out. Figure it out. I, so how, we can't take the kid out of the classroom. How do you take the kids to the bathroom then? Especially, especially if you're working with like five to seven year olds, kids who don't have bladder control. How do you take the kids to the bathroom? I guarantee you they take take they, they do not, they'll say, Oh, we line every, I'll give you the answer. We line everybody up and we have bathroom breaks. BS because yeah. kids act to go in between and if you don't take them, they piss themselves. So yep. kids are being taken individually and in twos to the bathroom mm -hmm. all the time, whether that is policy or not, it happens yep. everywhere. And, yep. the, and the group leaders figure out ways to make sure their groups have coverage because if they don't, they will be fired. That is true. So that is BS. Tell them if the kid looks like he's about to have a meltdown, tell him the sign, what the kid looks like, make mm -hmm. sure he knows this. Odds are the group, the, the person directly working with your kids will be amenable because mm -hmm. they're the ones that have to deal with it. They're usually yes. the one, they're usually more amenable than the higher ups. Mm -hmm. So it's the higher ups. You need to both let the higher-ups know you will be an advocate for their kid. And mm -hmm. this is important. Now, a lot of people don't say this. Let the group leader, the counselor, whatever they're called, know that you have their back. Mm -hmm. That you are going to that. Because they want to help your kid. Yeah. Make sure you know that I'm going to, I, I give you permission to make sure my kid is okay. And I will go to the bat for you. Because that means a lot. Because the one thing we're at risk of, if a parent is not on our side, we could very well lose our jobs. And we are yeah. very worried about that. A lot of a lot of the staff in these low-income camps are low-income themselves. They can't afford to lose this yeah. job. They are yeah. not going to want to take risks if the parent is going to get mad at them. 
Mm-hmm. So the parent, like I've had parents saying, don't worry, I know what you're trying to do. I'm going to go to bat for you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them that. And I'm going to give them hell if they try to stop you from helping my mm-hmm. kid. And that means the world. Yeah. That means the world. So yeah. make sure the person working for your kid knows that this is a partnership and that you're working together. That is very important. What, do you, what is your stance on um, parents sending a shadow with their child? You know, because there are a lot of kids who are really savvy on their AAC devices that go to mainstream class and they want to go to mainstream camp. And sometimes parents feel like maybe a shadow for the first couple of days or a shadow at certain times of the day. That sometimes is an option. The other thing is I have a couple of moms that the camp days are really long. And I assume it's because some parents work long hours but um, she does not allow her child to stay the whole day. She knows it's too much. So know your child's limit as well. Like maybe they don't need to go. We, until... we love those parents, by the way. We love those yeah, parents I know. who are realistic, who know where yeah. their child, because we get a bunch of parents who either they can't or they refuse to take their child out early. And we yeah. know after about like three o'clock, oh boy, That's after it. three o'clock, the odds of this kid yeah. melting down are so high and, yes. we're, and we know we got two hours of hell. So we yep. love those parents who know their yes. kids' limits and will take them off our hands. We will love <laughs> you for that. Well, and so will your child because it's a lot. It's just a lot. Um, sometimes it they can't handle it. To answer your question about shadowing, mm-hmm. I never, I've had that a few times. I never cared. Higher mm-hmm. ups, they tend to care. You're going to have to, like, this is a, I, I hate to keep blaming the administrators, but like as a grunt, because that's effectively what we are, as a grunt, obviously I'm more hostile to administrators. So that's just my perspective. Administrators tend to balk at things like this because mm-hmm. they do things a certain way, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, safety of the mm-hmm. kids, yada, yada. We love those. We have They have chaperones on trips. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. A lot of these remind them, you have parent chaperones on trips, don't you? And, yep. and those are fine. We love those too, because more coverage. Yeah. Most time we're at a ratio. So extra coverage, we love it. Of course. Of, so course, of course. If they give you that, remind them, you chaperones on trips. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's clearly not a safety issue. So yeah. make sure you just got to advocate, just like you do at school. You just got to mm-hmm. advocate because they're going to push back. And yeah. odds are the person working directly with your kid isn't going to care. In fact, we're more amenable than the average teacher because we haven't been in school for six years, most of us. So we haven't had as much I'm just going to be frank, indoctrination that we that we are the authority and we know what we're talking about. Most of us are just like trying to get a check and we love kids because you have to love kids to want to do this because it's a stressful as hell job and we trade like crap and we pay minimum wage. So we love kids. Most of us don't have a lot of training and we're sort of just trying to do the best we can. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I'd like to add to that in terms of we're talking about summer programming, summer school, some of the strategies, some things parents can do when you have no choices and what you can do to, to get choices. Um, but I also think it's great um, to not have to do anything in the summer. Just hang out at home, just have a whole summer of sensory fun outdoor and I don't know. Oh, uh, do learn something new together, just or do nothing. There's nothing wrong with having a few weeks. Well, to when do I nothing. got old enough, when I was like 11 or 12. I stopped going to summer school. I stopped going to camps. I just, I, I like trains. That was my special interest. Mm-hmm. Trains and buses. And New York City has a very robust, uh, some would say chaotic transit system. So I just ride around all day. And that, you say, well, a 12 year old, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, but that I, I could take care of myself. But yeah. uh, that's that's an option. Maybe you might not be comfortable with that, but find something fun and a chance to your child to sort of decompress mm-hmm. because school years are stressful and support, you're supposed to be on break. That's the whole point of summer. It's supposed to be exactly. a break. Exactly. And, and, you know, I also think it's a good time if you're able to, maybe your kid only goes to camp one or two weeks, right? There's eight to 10 weeks in a summer. Um, it's a great idea to use that as an opportunity to maybe nurture a social relationship with a neighbor, right? The neighbor can learn and start to understand how they can be a friend to your autistic child and you have time to do it because there's no rush for school. You know, the summer is a good time to teach some practical things for your child without it being stressful because there's no school. You know, school school year is just stressful. It's just for so many reasons. No, I agree. But um, more over time, well, well, technically, we can make this however long as we want. But I try to keep these between 45 minutes to an hour or a yeah. long trip to the bathroom, like when you binge on Taco Bell. There are little bits that made that joke. We might have some new viewers. Um, Stacey, is there anything else you'd like to get in before we bring this in? So I guess what I will close with is this. Whatever it is you have to choose for your child in the summer, remember that summer is supposed to be more relaxing than the school year. Remember that it's an opportunity to bring a little joy. And if you choose a camp or summer school, then remember that you still need to prepare, advocate, and make sure that it's going to be a good experience for your kiddo, right? And they can take from it whatever they want to take from it. There's no agenda, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I think you pretty much said it all. Make sure you advocate. So the same thing for schools, advocate, yeah. make sure your child's needs are met. The, the, the whole nine yards, it's, it's basically the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Do your research. Save mm-hmm. up for a camp for you get what you pay for, save up for a good camp. Yep. Uh ask people to help you out instead of getting you instead of getting your kid that uh two hundred dollar dinosaur set you know he's not gonna play with because he's not he's one of those kids that isn't in the dinosaurs. Yep. Find ways, do research, make mm-hmm. things happen. That's, that's all we gotta say. And Stacy, yeah. that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. Remember to share with folks who need to listen, not just those of us who are already shifting. We've got to get this into the into the ears of those people who need to shift their narrative. Enjoy the enjoy the sky being on fire. It smells <laughs> like you ever had that lovely barbecue smell. Picture that just everywhere. No meat. And no meat. No, no meat. meat. Yeah. Just, just, a- just everything's on fire. Just enjoy that. See ya. Uh,